The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word to us, and we thank you for this holy moment. Lord, may we be worthy to receive your word and your call to us as a people, as a church. Pray this through Jesus our Lord. Amen. I'm going to grab a music stand really quickly because I want to stand closer to you than normal. I hope that's okay with everyone. And not only that, but my words are so important today that I wrote them down. Is this okay? This isn't too close? Okay. Um, Today is a wonderful day. So we're in our season following Epiphany. It's a season all about manifestation, revelation, the glory of God being revealed to people. And we see this encounter with Jesus and Nathaniel and Philip and all these guys from Galilee and who really knows who they are. And But tonight is a very special night as you learned a couple of, uh, well, through an email a couple of weeks ago. And then as I spoke about last Sunday, our bishop and uh, the senior pastor of All Saints Dallas, of which this church is still a part right now, as we become our own church, become our own entity, Philip and the president of the board of All Saints Dallas said, you know what, it makes sense for you all to have your own identity. So tonight, I want to talk to you about uh, a new name for our church. And that name is more than just a name. It's to be a fountainhead for a new vision, a new chapter for us, for you and for me right here in East Dallas. Inspired by the heroic faith and sense of destiny that she read about in Queen Esther, many years ago, a young teenage girl in West Texas decided that one day she would name her daughter after Queen Esther. But she wouldn't name her daughter Esther, which was a Persian name that was given to her. She would name her Hadassah, and, which was Esther's Hebrew name. You can see it right there in Esther 2.7. And when I began to date and eventually married who, that young girl who would later be a college girl and towards the end of her college career, she shared that vision with me and her hope for a daughter named Hadassah. So our first two children, if you know our family, most of you do, you know that they're boys. So no luck there, Isaac and Josiah, but we still held on to the hope of Hadassah. And then when Olivia came along and was Olivia, we knew that there was yet one more little girl out there 
who would be our Hadassah. Even though friends and some family kind of gave us a hard time, because it's not the most typical name that you read in the baby name book. It's different. Nevertheless, we knew that there was a hope for someone out there named Hadassah. And many of you know Hadassah, or as we call her often, Dossie, or just Doss. She's in really big trouble. Just kidding. And you would probably agree that she is very unique, that there is no one else really on earth like her. Now, we know that that's true for all of us, but there's something special about Dossie. And the reality is, is that Dossie wouldn't be Dossie were it not for her name. There's something unique about her name that bears the weight of both who she is and who she will become. So there's power in her name. Now, as Anglicans, we're Anglican, by the way. Newsflash. You saw it on your phone when you walked in. This is an Anglican church. Just kidding. We're Anglican. And it's and because we're part of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we typically don't name churches around you know, geographic areas or who was first or second or third or fourth, etc. Or streets or cities or anything like that. We typically name churches after either feasts or saints. Now, feasts are those concrete moments when God engaged his world and love, the incarnation. Epiphany, we just celebrated. Transfiguration, ascension, things like that. And there are others out there that I'm sure I'm forgetting. Holy Cross, etc. So that's feasts. Saints are people, they're actual humans that had flesh and blood and that are now more alive than we are in the presence of our Lord Jesus. And they are people who lived lives of heroic and very cons- most of them very conspicuous faith, some of whom shed their own blood to their death for the name of our Lord Jesus. So churches named for these feasts or saints, and they celebrate them, and they have a kinship with their saint or their feast. And the uniqueness of the name connected with that church whether it's the feast or saint, is meant to bear the weight of who the church is and who the church will become. More so, it's meant to be, as I said earlier, the fountainhead, the beginnings, the headwaters. Think of a, think of a mountain. The headwaters of a vision that will give shape to a cohesive vision, definition, character to a church's identity breadth to its community, depth to each of its individual members, and shape to its vision. All of these realities I took very seriously and took into consideration when, about three months ago, Philip said, I think you guys need to rename your church. Everything's going well. You all are taking responsibility for your finances, which we are. We've been talking about that since August. And you're taking responsibility for your governance as time goes by, your organizational development. So it makes sense that as you become your own entity, as you become your own church, no longer under the, the churchly umbrella of, and loving umbrella of all saints, but you become your own church, still connected to all saints in the Anglican mission 
etc. It makes sense that you have your own name. So, in addition to wanting a name, for which I just mentioned, you know, the uniqueness of which would bear the weight of who we are and who we'll become, when I was given that charge, I wanted to find a name that wouldn't be a duplication of any other of the churches in Dallas. Because there are a lot of churches in Dallas. And there's a little thing called Google. And for better or worse, we kind of have to, we live by Google. Sometimes we die by Google. But it can be confusing. Already we've experienced how there can be some confusion with All Saints Dallas and All Saints East Dallas. So I wanted a name that would be unique. And on that October day, as I sat down and made a list of all the church names that weren't duplicated and that I had some familiarity with and that were somewhat palatable to you and to I, I saw one that had been on my heart for about a decade that I'll I'll share with you in just a minute. But I saw it and I thought, wow, this is important. The name that I believe that bears the weight of who we are and of who we'll become that I believe is the starting point for a cohesive vision, the headwaters of a cohesive vision, the name that will give character to our identity, that will give shape to our mission, breadth to our community of to who we are, and depth to each of us individual members is St. Bartholomew's Anglican Church, or if you like, St. Bart's for short. Bartholomew, who's he? Nazareth? Where is that? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Bartholomew was one of the 12 disciples. We know that he was from Cana of Galilee. We know that he is one of the men that Jesus called from that region of Galilee to follow him. We know also that Bartholomew is the same person who Nathaniel is. So tonight you heard an interaction between Jesus and and Nathaniel, you heard the authenticity of Bartholomew. Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You also heard the words that Jesus spoke over Bartholomew. You will see greater things than these. So we know he was Nathaniel. We know that after the resurrection, he went as a missionary. He didn't stay where he was, but he went to the east as a missionary. We know that he took the gospel out of Galilee and took it. Actually, there's an old gospel written in Hebrew, which was unusual. And it was found around 150 A.D. And it was credited to have been brought to India by Bartholomew. He was martyred, martyred, flayed alive. You can Google that later. Flayed alive near modern-day Armenia and was a missionary to the east. His name, Bartholomew, is a patronymic, which means he is the son of someone. Bar, in Hebrew and Aramaic, means son of so-and-so. And so he is bar Tolmei, son of Tolmei. More on that in a moment. I first encountered Bartholomew about a decade ago when I was living and working at Grace Anglican Church in Fleming Island, Florida. And the more I learned about him and the more I was intrigued by him, especially by his interaction with Jesus, the one that we read about tonight, and we'll talk about that more as the Sundays come along, I was really taken that after the resurrection, the ascension, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, I was really taken with the fact that he went as a missionary to the East. 
but more so, I was really grabbed by the prayer or the collect for his feast day. And the meat of the prayer says this, grant your church, God, to love what he believed and to preach what he taught. Now, if there's any, anything that someone would describe our church with, I would love them to say, wow, these people really love what Bartholomew believed. They loved the gospel of Christ. They loved this interaction that he had with our Lord Jesus. And not only do they love it, but they preach what he taught. That's the beginnings of a cohesive vision. That's the beginnings of a new identity, this new chapter for us. So I loved encountering that. And I remember in that moment, 2008, 2009, I remember thinking as a, just out, not lowly, but I was a musician, so I didn't have any sort of authority over anybody except the band and the choir. But I remember thinking, man, that would be a great name. Not that that's wrong. Not that that's bad. Not that anyone's making faces back there. But I thought, if I had the authority to name a church one day, I think this would be a really great name. Not just because it's unique, not just because it's memorable, but because of who the man was and who he is. Remember, we walk this earth. We do life together. We fulfill God's mission and vision for you and for, and for me and for this church in East Dallas with the saints of God cheering us on. They're not just dust in the ground, but they are with our Lord Jesus Christ more alive even than we are today. So those things drew my attention to Bartholomew. But more recently, as I was given the task of finding a name for a church, and it, it would be easy to, you know, to pick your St. Paul, your St. whoever, even though they're already duplicated. As I thought about him, I discovered that he was from Galilee. Now, Amy and I just had the fortune of being in Israel. And we were sitting at the wedding church in Cana of Galilee, where Bartholomew was from. And here we are sitting there, and some German couple is renewing their vows. And it's just, you know, you're in Israel, so you just sit and watch things happen. And she nudges my side, and she says, look. And right there in front of God and everybody is a giant icon of Bartholomew. And it really hit home of the place of where from where he derived. You see, the fact that Jesus went to Galilee to call his disciples is remarkable. Jesus could have gone to Jerusalem where there were people of power because Galilee at that time was on the hinterlands of Roman-occupied Palestine. There was no conspicuous wealth. I mean, I'm sure there were, but it wasn't eye-grabbing like in Jerusalem. There were no political influencers there. There were no people of power in Galilee. And yet, the 12 that he chose to influence, to spend most of his time with, were people that were largely overlooked in a place that was largely forgotten. That strikes me that Bartholomew is from Galilee. Now, I'll cover each of these four things over the next four Sundays. I want to unpack this vision. I want to begin 
together dreaming what this could look like for us to become St. Bart's. So stay tuned, because we'll, we'll go over this much more in the coming days and coming weeks. But today I want to zero in on his name, Bartholomew. What does that mean? Well, as I said earlier, Bartholomew is a patronymic, meaning he's named for his father. And son of Ptolemy means he's the son of a farmer or a plower. Now, when I rediscovered this back in October, I got really giddy. Not because farming is a certain skill that I possess. Much to the contrary. Farming has always been on the periphery of my life until recently. Every vision that I've had about this church plant, long before we even had any sort of event that would have us gathering together. On August 12th, 2014, I had a vision of a little seedling being put into the ground by these two caring hands. And that night I was robbed by four young men with guns. And I knew that was a spiritual moment. I knew that those hands meant that God was planting us. And my uh, typical behavior when I experience fierce opposition or extreme dislike or anything like that is, well, I'll just quietly step back and take care of Dallas. But that was the beginning other visions of, of trees and soil and, and all these things that had to do with God's tender care, with God planting, with God growing, with God nurturing. So it struck me that every vision that I've had about our church was one that was either arboreological related to trees, agricultural, farming, or horticultural with plants. But Take a second and look outside now. Just look out the windows. Now you have permission to be distracted, only for a moment. What do you see? For the time being, God has planted us in a garden in the middle of a region of the city that, according to many yard signs now, is known as the Lake and Garden District. But He's put us in a place at just the right time to grow to be nurtured. He's kept the soil just right for us. Now, who knows how long we'll get to be here? Because one of our immediate steps, we need to, we need to be able to start meeting on Sunday morning if we're going to open up ourselves to our city in a meaningful way. That's one thing that we're going to need to do. But don't worry, I love this place just as much as you do. But we see that God's put us in a garden. God's put us off the beaten path. God's put us in kind of a place of retreat. Because this is a different kind of place. God calls people to himself here to grow, to be nurtured, to be pruned. But all to live in the freedom of the children of God. I also find energy and resonance and inspiration in Bartholomew being an agricultural name because in my experience in mission and ministry, it's a lot like farming, little of it that I know. I know in farming that you till the soil. Back in 2012, as soon as we moved to Lake Highlands, my prayer 
was, Lord, break up the fallow ground. I knew that this was a part of the city that needed an Anglican church like ours, a three-stream Anglican church. So you, you, you till the soil. You've got to plow. You've got to break up the fallow ground. So that was my prayer. You plant the seed. The sower went out to sow, and he sows the word of God. You water the seed in the soil with care and nurture, with the richness, the refreshing nourishment of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, for every one of you who believes, from you will flow and in you will flow streams of living waters. But at the end of the day, farming is a long-term bet. You're going to have down years sometimes. You're going to have bumper crops some years. But what's inspiring to me about Bartholomew being son of a farmer is we are in it for the long haul, friends. We are here to see the kingdom come and God's will be done in East Dallas on earth in this place as it is in heaven, period. And I like that. I like that it means it's going to take a long time. Oh, I love that. Do you know what a good wine is? Warren Sibley does. He's told me about good wine before, not because he drinks a lot of wine. Gosh. Does good wine come in one or two or three seasons? No. It can take a long time. Hmm. Bartholomew, son of a farmer. I'll never forget, we were about six months into the plant, and we had some preview services, and I see some of you who were there at the preview services from All Saints Dallas, and maybe we had like 200 people the first one, and 150 people at the next one, and 130 people at the next one. And then about six months in, we were starting to get kind of lean, you know, and it was just like, you know, just, just all of us, and we're seeing each other's eyes. And I'm over here kneeling, praying, as I often do. And it's my equivalent of just opening the Bible and putting my finger down and saying, all right, God, what does it say? But I looked in the lectionary for the daily office just to see what the Lord would say to me. And it was 1 Corinthians 3. And Paul says to the church in Corinth, I planted, Apollo swattered, but God gave the growth. And God reminded me, Jay, you're, you're really important. And I like you a lot. But you aren't going to make this church grow. I will. And the sense of relief that, over, that came over me was tremendous. But again, to me, it wasn't coincidental that it was this agricultural vision. Truly, God will give the growth. He'll bring the crops, the fruit, and the harvest. So, old Bartholomew. Good old Bartholomew, apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ, son of a farmer. He can be our model. He can be our champion, what little we know about him. And even, yes, literally, he can be our patron as we do the long, hard work of ministry and as we partner with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in his mission to East Dallas and beyond. Now, the next four Sundays, we are going to cover these different aspects of vision tied with St. Bartholomew. Next Sunday, I'll talk about 
his interaction, the same one we read tonight with Jesus in John chapter 1. I'll talk about the authenticity that we see in him and also how Jesus pronounces over him, you are a true Israelite in whom there's no deceit. We'll talk about what it means to live in the freedom of the children of God. The next week, um, if, if all goes as planned, my old rector, John Schuler from Grace Anglican Church, will be here and he'll be preaching to us and he'll be preaching about the collect for St. Bartholomew's Day, that, that prayer that says, grant us to love what he believed and preach what he taught. It just so happens that that collect, that prayer in the life of St. Bartholomew has given shape and, and vision to John's own life and his own work of ministry and church planting and work of mission. So God willing, he'll be here with us on the 28th. You won't want to miss it. He is the spunkiest, how old is he now? 70. He is the spunkiest 70 plus year old you will ever meet. He can run circles around me. The next Sunday, February 4th, we'll talk about Bartholomew's status as a Galilean. What it was like to be called as a people who were largely overlooked, a people who were largely on the sideline. And the last Sunday, February 11th, that's the last Sunday before Lent, we'll talk about his obedience and his work as a missionary as he went east for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all of that, we'll unpack it not just as information about a man, but what it means for you and for me and for God's vision for this place. So, we find ourselves in a place not unlike Bartholomew at the end of John chapter 1. If you recall the gospel reading, he's encountered Jesus. He's responded in an authentic way. His faith has increased and he expresses that. He says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And what does Jesus say? Just wait. You will see greater things than this. And friends, we find ourselves at a new beginning in a fresh chapter in our story where we have a new name that uniqueness bears the weight of who we are and who God desires to make us into. One that is the headwaters for a cohesive vision that will give shape to our mission, that will give character to our own identity, that will give breadth to this community, and continue to broaden it and give depth to us as a collective people and to each of us as individuals. We've seen Jesus just like Bartholomew did. We've responded authentically to him and our faith has been increased and now he says to you and to me and to all of us, you will see greater things. Be ready. It's an invitation to us to follow him. It's an invitation to us to dream with him. And it's an invitation to us to partner with him in his mission for East Dallas. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your faithfulness to us, that you've not abandoned us nor forsaken us. Lord, would you make us people who are worthy to bear the name St. Bartholomew? that we may love what he believed, that we may preach what he taught. We pray all this 
In the name of your Son, our Savior, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.